Welcome to the Angelic Magazine podcast. Here's your host, editor of Angelic, Jesse Anaya. This is Jesse, the editor of Angelic Magazine. For this podcast, I'm joined by Allie Watts and Kelsey Bird from the Central Coast of California. For this podcast, we're talking about identity and the name of Jesus. When you hear the words identity and Jesus, what comes to mind? Um, I think for me, it's the idea that how you um, see yourself in the world and how you operate in the world. So when I think of identity, it's, you know, how do you identify yourself to people? How do people identify you? And so when we talk about that being in Jesus, it's what does our life look like and how do our words speak to who Jesus is? Um, And if our identity is really in Jesus, does it reflect Jesus' life and what he's asked of us? I was going to say just like, some things that came to mind when I was like reading about the uh or just thinking about identity and like digging into a little bit was like um your identity kind of reflects like what you hold to be true and so if your identity is in the world then it reflects the things that you care about here so like um sports or whatever has become like an idol in your life and that word like feels super like um religious or like theological but like whatever has taken the place of God in your life is now what you have placed your identity in. And then when your identity is in Jesus, it reflects him because he's your identity. And so I think just like that switch of like, it's no longer just about us. It's about him shining through us and being reflected through us. Um, And so I think that's kind of like what I was leaning into as an overarch. So for somebody who doesn't know God at all, mm-hmm. and we're talking about identity, Jesus, how do they discover who they are in Jesus? How do they, what is the first step? What does that look like? Or even if you know Jesus, but you're still struggling with insecurity, self-doubt, whatever it is, how do you discover that identity of Jesus in you? I, mean, I think a lot of it has to happen like God has to do it in you. And I think this is something that I've learned more and more, especially in the last six to nine months, is that we can understand the Bible, we can read the Bible, we can go to church, but until we start taking steps towards God in like a relational sense and we start building a relationship with God, God can't do the work he needs to in your life to reflect him. And so I think in church we talk about practices we're supposed to do and there's all these tasks in front of you. And for someone like me who's good at doing tasks, I can do the task. But I'm not going to actually be able to identify with God until I put God first, which has to be in a relational sense. It has to be a conversation with God every day that I'm leading into him and I'm surrendering small pieces of myself continually to him so he can work in me. Because all these things that we read about in the Bible, like we should be loving or we should be kind or forgiving, we can't really do those things unless God does them in us. There are things that we can strive towards, but we don't really achieve them unless God is working through our lives and actually giving us the ability to do those things. Yeah. We were listening to a podcast called This Cultural Moment, and one of um, the speakers on there was talking about John Wesley and how, like, his... He's, like, someone, just one man, right? But he was talking about how, like, the um, revival that he created started every day, and he's like, I went to his room, and I was looking at his room, and there's this little pad on the floor, and I was like, oh, my goodness, that's where he... That's where it all began. Like, his revival and, like, everything that happened through this one man started with him praying every single day. 
and just saying like, God, not me, but you. And so I think that sometimes identity in God can feel like some like lofty, like there are all these like rules or things that we need to do. But I think a lot of it starts with just saying, being willing to make time to talk to God every day and being willing to make time to say like, this is time set aside to be in the word, time set aside to pray. And that may feel like, I know for me that when I first kind of started stepping from Christianity as a, a religion to Christianity as a relationship, which was like a huge shift for me, it it started in realizing that prayer didn't have to only be like in the wee hours of the morning and late at night and right before a meal. Like prayer can be anytime. It's just a conversation with God. And so that changed things for me. And then realizing that like, if I was saying all the time, like the Bible is the truth and I believe what it says, but I wasn't reading it, then what was I really saying? And so I think that was a shift too in realizing that like, if I'm gonna stand here and say like, I believe this, it's the Bible and it is holy and I believe what it says and it's the truth, but I never open it, then I'm not even, I'm not really doing what I say that I'm going to do or like being true to what I've said. And so making, for me, it was like starting, I think it started, it started one day when I just kind of said like, God, I, I, I need you and I can't do this on my own. And so I just started one day, like little by little praying. And then I started piecing in reading the Bible and then it became like, and now it's turned into like a 30 minute practical time. And for someone like me, that is like very like goal oriented and practical. I think that that is like a solid step for anyone, like whether it's five minutes, two minutes, like saying like, this is the time and this is the place where I will just like sit and be intentional about like talking to God and hearing from God and praying with him. Um, so I would say that's like a practical thing and a way to start in it. So do you feel that once you start to discover your, your identity, like once you figured it out, it stops or is it an ongoing process? Man, it's a process. Right now, I'm, I was like reading, uh, I'm leaning into like identity, having like identity in Jesus is a concept of being forgiven and accepting forgiveness, but also forgiving. Okay. And so that's kind of what I'm currently leaning into right now. And I think that as you grow, like you, you learn more and more every day because when you're first initially, like when you first initially become a Christian, you accept God's forgiveness in your life. Like if we just looked at forgiveness as like the link to identity, which it totally is, um, you initially become forgiven because you have accepted Jesus in your heart. You've accepted his grace for you and that he died on the cross and whatever you've done or whatever people have done to you, that like what he did on the cross is greater than that. And you've accepted that. But now in your day to day life, there's a lot of things that change if if you truly believe like or when I have to like check myself and say am I really saying that I'm forgiven because of him like do I really believe in that do I really walk in that and so if, if I just look at that one characteristic of identity in Jesus and what it might look like I would say that it's a continual growth pattern like you're always trying to understand what it looks like to be forgiven and to forgive and in that one characteristic alone, like I'm learning all the time how to do that better and more. And how are you learning? What are what are some of the things you're learning? Oh man, 
I'm just learning that, like, I think I'm learning that I am, personally, I'm hard on myself. And so accepting forgiveness is, like, tricky for me. So I've accepted forgiveness in the fact that I've accepted forgiveness from God initially. But I think that once you, like, um, step back in your day-to-day life and you start to, like, go through things in your heart and yourself, which I am, then I realize that I'm, like, not accepting that God's forgiven me. Okay. And so, and sometimes I think that is just, like, a, a continual thing that I will always, like, grow in, and that's fine. But just, no, I think recognizing that has been, like, a big step for me and being able to say, like, yeah, like, this is something that's hard. It's hard to say, like, yeah, like, God's forgiven me of everything that I've done and, and will do. And so being able to say, I'm sorry, like, I messed up again. And I think that's, that's hard, but that's part of a, just a life with him. So, yeah. What about you, Kelsey? Yeah, I think identity is definitely, in my life, has been an ebb and a flow. And I think, you know, I've identified as a Christian for probably most of my life. You know, maybe sixth, seventh grade, I went to Christian school starting in sixth grade all the way through high school. And I identify as a Christian. I think my foundation was always in the Christian faith. But I found that in different parts of my life, God was more prioritized than others. And when God became less prioritized that my identity became what was my priority. And so I was an athlete and I played basketball in college and there was a point where basketball and succeeding in basketball was more important to me than my relationship with God. And it's not something that I necessarily like said to myself or identified, but when basketball was stripped from me, I had an identity crisis because all my myself was in my basketball. Mm-hmm. And I think I realized like I had put God behind basketball because all of a sudden that, that had been removed from my life I didn't know kind of where I stood. I had to kind of search again and I did fall back on God, but then I went through the same flow again. You know, I got into a career, I got into a job and all of a sudden that became my highest priority and God dropped again. And then that stripped from me. And then once again, I'm in this, you know, battle. So I think it's, it's a constant, even if you identify as a Christian and you identify with Christ, the thing that is prioritizing your life becomes your identity. And so it's a constant fight and battle to keep God first because in the everyday of things, we just we do what's in front of us, and especially me, like I'm a, also task oriented. I want to get things done. I want to achieve. It's always something I'm, you know, battling to prior to balance, and so I have to keep working to keep God first, so that that actually is my identity. Because I can say it, but if it's not the first thing on my list, something else takes over, and then eventually that gets stripped from me, and I go through the same process. So I think it's a constant battle, um, even if you. Even if Christ is something that you always are centered in, whether God is first or second or first or last, that is a con- you have to be conscientious of that because that really identi- that really defines where your identity is. So, what if you know your identity is in Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. But so, say you're a pastor or worship leader or whatever your role is in ministry, that eventually becomes your identity. And I've found that so often people get wrapped up in their role in ministry. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like their identity isn't what they do for God, not in God. Mm-hmm. So what would you, to people who are in ministry listening, what would you, what kind of advice or what kind of word would you say to, to that? Mm-hmm. Where you wrap your identity in your role for God, not so much just in God. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? or? I think it can definitely happen. Yeah. Because you almost, 
get to a point where you're serving at like whatever level you're serving at and the title associated with the service becomes more important than the service. And for me, when I, so little backstory, when I first got to active church, I started serving as a greeter. And I remember when I first walked in, I like didn't want to be a greeter because in my mind, I was like, oh, I want to serve, but I want to serve in a capacity that like has a lot. And I started to realize there was a lot of pride behind it because I wanted to serve in like things like, well, maybe like baptism or events or something where there would be a lot around it. And what I was realizing was like, oh, I want to do this, but so that my name is attached to it, not necessarily for the service itself. And so I think that it is when this can like when this does happen or when you start to feel like this might be happening it's like a check of your heart to say like why am i serving at all and i think that even as i find myself serving um in different ministries at active i have to check myself and say what is why are we doing this like why are we any of us doing any of this Mm -hmm. and just keeping that heart of like i'm doing it all because at one point i walked into this church and i was not okay with god and someone that day gave me a high five and someone that day made sure that the whole place was clean and someone that day, like, you know, set up the chairs or whatever they did, small, big, whatever capacity, but someone that day made sure that I had an awesome experience so that my relationship with God could grow so that I could be here. So putting myself back into the time I first walked in and I was the person that I'm now like giving my time to Mm -hmm. and remembering like, it's not about me at all. So no matter what level you get to, just keeping that heart of like, it's not about the title at all. It it really is just about like serving other people and making sure that other people feel at home when they're there so that they can experience God for the first time, second time, whatever, because that's like really what it's all about. And whether you're the worship leader or the person that carries out the trash, like you're doing it all for God's glory. And so I think that I have to remind myself every day, like not to let my pride get the best of me because I know that it can. So do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think just a little bit different angle on it, but I think there definitely is a piece where, um, when we start serving, you know, at any level, there's that pressure that we have to be like the ideal Christian or you need to, you know, everything has to be going right in your life. You have to be ideal. Like you can never mess up. You, you know, this, Un, this unattainable uh, image and I think you know one thing that I've noticed and and feel blessed to, to be a part of is like because I'm have a community around me of people all serving and being vulnerable with one another that we're not all okay that we are struggling that whether you're the pastor or you're the person walking through the door we have cha- challenges with our faith with God we ch- you know we have doubts we have fears all those things are real and whether you're diehard Christian, you read the Bible every day, or you don't touch the Bible, we still deal with some of the same challenges. And we might deal with them differently, but they're all real to us. And so I think it is about understanding, like, continuing to be vulnerable about where your faith is and understanding where your faith in is, but then also being in community where, you know, I can say to Allie, like, look, I'm struggling right now. Like, I don't know why this is going through my mind. I don't know why I can't handle this, but I'm hurting and this is hard for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm still trying to show up every day and serve. But I think it creates that that reality that like your relationship with God is not a title. It's not whether we're Christian or not. 
it's a constant relationship that we're trying to build and there are ebbs and flows and challenges and there's going to be low moments and high moments, just like any other relationship we have with, with a person. Right. And so, cause we're broken, we can't have a perfect relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that, you know, that's a, if we remember that we have people around us, who know, can be, that we can be real with. I think it helps remove that need to put your identity and like, okay, I have to be this or I have to be that. So I want to shift gears a little bit. When you hear the word social media, identity and Jesus. How do you feel social media plays a role in developing our identity? Oh, man. You went there. (laughs) Elaborate. Um, When you say you went there, elaborate. I'm a marketer. Okay. So, um, I actually, like, was thinking about this, like, before, because we were chatting about, um, this before the talk, and, um, as a marketer, I sell stories. Okay. So I'm, like, not not always selling stories, um, but often telling stories in the hope that someone will find a piece of themselves in someone else's story, okay. or that someone else will be able to grab a hold of like their identity in someone else's story. And I think that when you think about social media and identity in Jesus, those are the two things, right? Mm-hmm. You what you end up seeing is that like a lot of times it becomes like your identity is in social media, not Jesus. And your identity, it turns into like, I'm a Christian, look at all these Christian things I'm doing, like that kind of social media feed. Or it turns into like, oh, like you would never know I'm a Christian by my social media feed. And I've, you know, I've been there, so it's okay. But um, something I was leaning into this week was just the thought of like, that if like your identity is not in Jesus, then society will shape your identity. And then, like, your identity begins to, like, ebb and flow with the trends or the fashions of the time. And I think that that social media becomes, like, a way for that to happen really easily. Because we, like, find ourselves spending a lot of time on it. And then whatever we see there becomes, like, the next big thing. And we are just, like, you're so, like, in touch with it. Like, if I find myself on social media for, like, too long, then I, like, start to feel, like, really like tied to something big that's happening, whether it's like a new fashion trend or like someone's on vacation or whatever it is. And then I find that maybe not necessarily my whole identity, but a lot of how I'm feeling is like coming from what I'm seeing. And so I was just kind of thinking about like, man, if, if we do not have our identities rooted in Jesus, then social media and different things that we see in front of us end up becoming our identities because we're not like that we have no like foundation or source but when we do then it different things will ebb and flow but if you're like rooted in a community and you you have an awesome church family and you're always and you're like pursuing this growing relationship like kelsey was talking about with your faith then you're rooted and so your identity is now no longer in like the things you see on social media that affects you because you're human and you see it and you're like bugged or like really into something or not but it's not all of who you are because all of who you are is anchored in Jesus and it's not like it's not um, a condition of what you're seeing on your feet if that makes sense it makes perfect sense yeah do you have any thoughts yeah I mean I think social media is a way to create our identities and present our identities from kind of just a broad standpoint, you know, people curate their pages to have a certain image or to present a certain thing. And I don't think it's always um, 
with bad intentions. I think that is, you know, this is what I enjoy. This is what I'm sharing with you. But I do think we have to be careful um, because it can consume our thoughts, right? And it can consume how we view things. And even if we're following all pastors or all churches, right, there's still that image of, like, what's the pastor doing? Like, I should be like that pastor. Why can't I love God that way? And it, it becomes a comparison, which it just becomes problematic, um, because our relationships are each individual and they're not trying to look the same as everyone else. But um, I personally have been removing myself from social media. It's kind of been my effort to, it's a time suck for me. I get, you know, I like sports. So my whole feed is pretty much sports, dogs and pastors. And I'm like, this is just, I don't need this in my life. I don't need this time suck. I need to fill this time that I'm using on social media with healthier things that are things that are focused on what God's asking me to do. So I think, um, there's definitely challenges with it. I think it can be used for good, but it's something that we just have to be careful about because it is, you know, talked about earlier, like it's an idol of our time, right? It's an idol that people become attached to and that we put, there's a lot of emotional pieces that are being exchanged through it. Um, and sometimes we don't even realize the effects that's happening until we remove it. And we're like, whoa, like this is having a bigger effect than we thought, than I thought. So I think it's it's a tricky place. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I think it can be it can take us over if we're not careful. Yeah. Something that you girls have mentioned is community. Mm-hmm. So how do you feel, if you can elaborate more, that community helps a person develop their identity? Because like the heart of this podcast is people who basically so the podcast is going to be posted on social media. Mm-hmm. People, if they want to listen to it, they're going to click play. And obviously, if you hear the words identity, podcast, Jesus, maybe that's something you're struggling with or you're interested in. So you mentioned that community is plays a role in helping you girls form your identity. What does that look like for someone who maybe doesn't have a community? Yeah, I'd say first that community has changed the way I've lived my face. I think it's something that um, when you have people around you that are striving after the same thing you are and and they are full out pursuing that, then it encourages you to also do the same. I think the people around us impact how we live our lives. Just that's just a reality. And, and so if we put people around us who are trying to run after God, the same way we are, we're not run after God better. I think too, when I first came into community, I was, I saw the people around me living a a faith that I wanted to live, talking about God, the way that I wanted to believe. And I wanted to actually have that faith that they were talking about. And so it it almost inspired me and encouraged me to start practicing the way they practice or trying things that they would talk about. You know, it's like, okay, you spend time in the world. Okay. Maybe I should try spending time in the world's word. So I think it's, um, you're encouraged by it. It challenges you. It's a support system that when things do go south, you have someone who, you know, is also in the word speaking into your life. You know, it's, there are people who, love God and are pursuing God and I can trust that when they speak into my life they're coming from a place that they understand who God is in, in their life and in my life and um, so I think it's it can change the way you live your faith because it changes how you understand your faith and you are given you are given an example of faith that you might not you can't even fathom or understand until you see it mm-hmm. yeah I remember this saying that I heard a while ago and I was like be careful who you let in the front seat of your car because you're about to become just like them. And when I moved here, I was alone a lot. I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, and I remember we were at Act- we walked into Active and um, I was like, I need to find some friends because everything around me is saying like, 
you know, community, you need community. And so that's kind of why I started serving initially was because I just wanted to be around more people. And at first I didn't really know anyone. So it was like kind of, you know, getting over the barrier of not knowing people. Um, but I would say like community changes everything. Cause if you have people in your life that love Jesus more than you or less than you or whatever that looks like that spectrum like you're going to spend more of your time focusing on them and my life looks different because I'm hanging out with people who like in casual conversation now we talk about like what are you learning from God this week that's insane but it shouldn't be (laughs) insane right like that should be the norm you should be able to hang out with your friends and I want that to be a question with my friends but it wasn't for so long and like we'll talk and we'll pray for each other. We like push each other. Like recently Kelsey was like, I feel like I need to be better about just like leaning in when God says to pray for someone to do it. And I was like, me too. And so having the support in like a friend that's also trying to do the same thing and reach the same level of trust in God is amazing. And it pushes you to new heights. Um, I think it just encourages you. It, helps you and like everyone needs friends anyways like you're gonna find yourself in a community so whether that's a community running with god or it's a community or not you're gonna find yourself with a set of friends and so if you want to if you want your life to look more like jesus then run with a group of friends that that loves jesus and i think practically that looks like i mean finding a small group or a life group or whatever that looks like at your church and getting plugged in and that can be scary um I know because when I was first going to active, I felt like God was telling me to start a life group. And so me and Marissa, my roommate, started a life group and I did not know what I was doing. Never led a life group, had no idea what I was doing, but it was basically just saying, okay, God, you wanted me to start a life group. Here we are. I don't know what we're doing. (laughs) And it was crazy. Like he brought in Kelsey's in our life group and he brought in all these women and we're all very different, but our problems are really similar. And so we can grow from each other. We can cry with each other. We can learn from each other. And it's a very like real and raw place where I can know that like, if they're, if I ask them to pray for me, they're going to pray for me. And you're just, you just grow and you're strengthened. And it's just, it's so cool to be able to like, say like, I'm, let's see, in my like twenties and I'm not in college, but I feel like I have just this awesome set of women that are running after Jesus that I'm learning from every week and growing from. And it's just like, it's crazy. But I think taking that leap and saying, I'm going to join a small group and, you know, co-ed, not co-ed, it really depends on what you're looking for. But, um, I'd say that's like a good first step in initially getting involved in community, either that or serving. Serving at your church, there's always going to be a community of people that love to serve, and you'll definitely meet more people that way, too. So, one or the other. So, I have one final question. If you girls can look back at yourselves five years ago and see your identity then, right? So, if you can get that visual. And then if you can look into the future five years from now, what do you hope your identity will look like five years from now? And what would be the biggest change from the women you were five years ago to the women you'll be five years from now within your identity? I would say it's going to be a jump from before being imprisoned to being more free. Um, I was very much a party animal, loved to, um, and I think a lot of it stemmed from just like 
not handling hurts well and then turning to different things to like not feel them. So it was like being involved in lots of parties, um, drinking and that and, and everything the world says will bring you freedom and excitement. I was all about it, but I found myself really empty and alone a lot. And it was in those moments that God started to get my heart and God started to, and he was always running after me, but it was in those moments where I really heard him because everything else was gone. And so I would say in those moments, I look at that girl and I'm like, wow, I thought I was so free, but I was so, um, stuck and I was so empty and and imprisoned is a strong word, but it kind of describes what it was. Um, and I would say now I feel free, but I think that, you know, five more years down the line, like continuing to run after God and just be present with him. I think freedom is going to be another word that will, um, that will more, hopefully more, uh, describe my life. And I just want people that, to meet me to know like, wow, like she's, you know, not definitely not perfect, still figuring it out, still learning every day, but she walks in a way that she f- looks like she's free because God has like saved me and has redeemed me. And so my life just looks different because I'm not, he's freed me. And so I would say those two parallels. Yeah, I think um, five years ago I was leaving college and I think just from the, you know, where I grew up and the type of college I went to, my goal was to go out of college and build a career and, you know, how can I take the first steps and then how can I just, you know, my goal was to build a career that helped people, but at the end of the day I wanted to achieve something. And it was always that focus of like, hey, I was, you know, trained to achieve. I was given everything I needed to achieve. Now I have to go out and get something done. And I have to change the world by accomplishing something big. And there's always that pressure of like, how do I, how do I achieve essentially? And I think if there's one thing that I battle, it's that it's the, the need or desire to achieve. And so I think, you know, I'm now at another transition point in my life and I'm coming, going to be coming out of school in the next year. And I think, um, my, I hope that in five years, my, and even now my mindset is different that I don't necessarily want to achieve something. I want to be in a place that I'm constantly pursuing God and God's putting things in front of me to do for him. And I think, I don't know if my career goals look any different, but it's in a sense that I don't really care my career's at in five years. I care that I'm still serving God and that my life reflects God. Mm-hmm. And that could mean that, you know, I go totally different directions or there's no clear path. And I think, For me, I hope in five years that I'm completely content in that and that I'm able to speak with that to that lifestyle of running after God, regardless of what I'm achieving with confidence and be able to look back and say, like, look, I know this is what was expected of me, but this is what God has asked of me. And this is what I'm doing with confidence. And so that's really what I hope, like in five years, that my life reflects God and that, you know, that what I'm doing is for God and I'm releasing, I've let go of that need to feel like I'm achieving something or accomplishing something. Because in the reality, that's not what God's asking for me, always asking for me is to take steps for towards him and let him be in charge. Okay, we're good.